la 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 Elmo's world la 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 Elmo's world oh hello Elmo this is not Elmo's world this is the fan host podcast hey folks welcome back to fan holes glad that you could join us again this week We've got a lot of good stuff we're going to go over tonight a lot of fun things to talk about first off we're probably going to go into smallville don't know if you're aware of this the show that was on the cw did come to an end we're really going to pretty much focus on that talk about the series finale what we like what we didn't like what we didn't like what we didn't like then we're going to go into comics we're going to talk about invincible this time invincible is by robert kirkman that's the writer He's done a lot of stuff. He's mainly most well-known for Walking Dead, but Invincible is very much noteworthy. It's a really good kind of superhero capes and punches type comic. It's really good stuff. For a roundtable, we're going to do a little bit of James Bond. Bond has been around for a long time, had a lot of movies, and we each got our favorite. And then finally, for the future, Marvel MMO. That's a multiplayer online game, World of Warcraft style, kind of like the DC game that just came out or is about to come out. Actually, it is out. And we're just going to go into that, see if it's going to be similar, if it's going to be different, what we think is going to be good or not. We're going to go ahead and pretty much crack into this, but first we've got to make sure everybody's here. I am Tony. You know me. I am Chainclaw of the Bot Talk Forums. You know the rest of the fan holes, but let's make sure they're online tonight. Hey, guys, give me a shout out. Yo, this is Brian, a.k.a. Breakdown. Are you dense? Are you retarded? I'm the goddamn Derek. <laughs> Mike is present. <laughs> This is Justin, better known as Grimlock. Some people also call me Space Cowboy, and they may also call me the Gangster of Love. <laughs> but, but never to my face. Can I call you Maurice? Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, we're, in, we're in a mood tonight, folks. You're in for a good one. I love you, Clark, but sometimes you are such a nerd. Let's just go ahead and rip into it, because we've been talking about it this week. Smallville did have their series finale while we were doing the Guestinction Agenda. Just lay into it. I'm going to start off with... Can I go first? Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I guess we have a we have a volunteer. A new player has arrived. Go ahead, sir. Let us hear your thoughts on this series finale. I have been excited to talk about this, let me tell you. I ended up, I didn't see it live on TV. I ended up watching it on the web in preparation for this show. But I got to admit, the finale of Smallville was the perfect finale to the series because it had, like, example of every single thing that made me not like Smallville. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All contained in one episode. So it went out with about about as well as it could have. I always kind of found Smallville to be sort of sappy melodramatic and like really drawn out and that's how i felt the whole show was you know the it it almost reminds me of like 90210 with tights or something and i don't know if anyone else noticed like derek you've watched the show pretty regularly right yeah did you ever like get annoyed with the mom and like her delivery of her lines and stuff well, for me, it's kind of like I, I have that nostalgia thing with Annette O'Toole because she was like Lana Lang in Superman 3. And then, mm-hmm. of course, I ran into her while I was shopping in Target one time. So I, I can't say anything bad about Annette O'Toole, but, but it, you know, it's like go to town, man. I mean, this is your thing. So. Well, like, I don't know if it's just like like a regional accent or what, but I've always had like a problem with how she delivers the lines. 
it almost sounds like she's always like half a breath short. Has anyone else like noticed that at all? She does seem like she's kind of, I don't know, like she just ran up some stairs or something. Yeah. And like, like literally while watching it, I've never noticed as much as I did last night, but on the finale, like I was literally thinking as I was watching it, you know, like I wondered if she had like some kind of lung condition, like if between <laughs> takes and stuff, she was like running to the side, like Yul Brenner and sucking down some oxygen, like the King and I or something. <laughs> <laughs> also like to speak about the, how, how drawn out it was, obviously him, him not getting the suit to like the last two minutes. It's almost like the entire series, you know, never showing the suit and you just having to wait. And it seemed like there's two major things over like all the characters heads in this episode that should have sped things up. One being the wedding and one like literally hanging over the heads, like being a giant planet. But like it, <laughs> the pacing was so slow. Like the, the example I wrote down to illustrate this was uh, you have like Clark going home to the farmhouse. You know, and him and his out-of-breath mom are talking about, you know, letting go of the past. And Clark's like, no, you got to move on. He's like, no, you got to let go of the past. I'm like, okay, I get it. And then, you know, the next scene or the next two scenes, Clark goes to the grave of his dad. He talks to Ghost Dad there about letting go of the past again. I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to revisit this. This will probably be the last time. I'm sure after this, you know, he's going to zoom back to his wedding and get on with it. And then he goes back to the... Oh, yeah, Bill Cosby, Ghost Dad. Um, (laughs) No crazy taxi driver being Satan. No, but then after that, he goes back to the barn at the farmhouse again, you know, and he has, like, that same, you know, do I let go of the past? Do I embrace it? So it's, like, three instances where they kind of touched on the same topic before anything, like, major got cleared out of the way. It's just like, oh, so drawn out. A question I had for... Possibly Derek might be the only one that could answer it. I, I didn't really understand why, after the wedding got interrupted, why they took seven years to get married again. I, you know, like, to me, like, it seems like they were trying to adhere to some kind of twisted idea of what continuity should have lined up to be, even though clearly Smallville is kind of its own thing. I mean, that's the only explanation I could give. But, I mean, even then, it seemed like it was seven years later and they still weren't, you know, like, they still weren't married because they're not married in the comics. Like, I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. seems like that funny kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, they're not really supposed to be married. Like, so what are you supposed to imagine that the Donner movies that don't make any sense fitting in with Smallville happened in those seven years? Like, I don't think so. But maybe if some <laughs> twisted person out there wants to think that they can. I mean, they, they seem to leave a lot of things kind of ambiguous for that purpose. Yeah, that was very confusing to me. Like, I almost thought I'd miss something. And then another thing was, like, the Smallville comic that they were reading. Like, at the end, is Superman's identity revealed then? Because it'd be pretty obvious to most people that, you know, saw that comic that this Clark. So I was like, oh, I wonder if he's outed. Well, clearly you haven't been watching the show because he's been wearing glasses for the last two seasons. Well, <laughs> yeah, seven years later he did have his glasses on, so there you go. No, no, no. I'm just, yeah, I, it's, I, I think it's just a framing device. I don't think you're, I, I don't think the, the audience it's, it's catering to is going to think that much about it, really. The, the right. 902 and 0 crowd, I think, that watches the show because Tom Welling is dreamy. Like, uh-huh. they, they don't care about the fan service. They don't care about, you know, that there's a comic book there. All they really care about is, ooh, Tom Welling's dreamy. Ooh, is he going to marry them? 
Oh, he went to the grave. He went to the grave. Oh, oh, he's talking to his mom. Oh, he's talking to his... Oh, 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 she's not going to marry him. Yeah. Like, them, to them, while while that seems drawn out to you, to them, that's what I, I think that... It's like total I mean, fan service. But, but it's like, it's not like fan service in the sense of a comic book fan, but it's like fan service in the sense of like female fans, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, if he, if he doesn't marry her, he might marry me. Right. <laughs> or, or he gets to look broody and angsty and this and that and whatever, you know? I mean, that, that's all I really know. I mean, I used to have a, a coworker that I worked with a lot and we would talk about that show all the time. And she wasn't really a comic fan, but she thought Tom Welling was just the cutest guy ever so she'd come up to me and go did you watch kal-el last night you know like all kind of dreamy and that's that was kind of her thing so to me i mean in some sense that's part of what that show seems to cater to in my yeah. opinion I, I kinda okay like kind of like the fact that they ended the show how they started it. and that is even though he's been through a lot of changes and he's finally become superman he's going to save the world you can still end every conflict by just throwing something <laughs> <laughs> that's how he fights all the time. Somebody will run yeah. up to him and he'll be like, I'm going to throw you. And he's like, oh, my God, Apocalypse is going to come down on our world. I'm just going to throw it. Well, that's what I was going to bring up, Tony. Actually, I did like the fight between, like, Green Arrow and Clark, although it was in tuxedos, and that was kind of a letdown. But it's kind of a cool choreographed fight, at least. It had some good action tossing them around to defuse and stuff. But then once you finally do get to what you think is going to be, like, the ultimate showdown between him and Darkseid, like, he just flies up and, like, pushes the planet away. And you're like, well, okay, I guess he's strong enough to do that. And I guess Darkseid must not care because, you know, nothing happens to stop him. <laughs> he just pushes the planet away and, like, whoa, we're saved. It's just kind of an abrupt, like, down. Darkseid Dark is just sitting on his throne ever in a million years, and I think he would just push the fucking planet. Yeah. <laughs> See, the, to, to me, that's kind of what is... Somebody like, I think, maybe Mike, who is not as a frequent viewer of Smallville, or somebody like yourself, like, I don't know how much you watch the show, but it seems like you sort of watch the show, you know, this finale, just to participate in the discussion and share your thoughts. But it, it seems like it's got a TV budget, and, and it's not excusing it. It's just saying, like, for me, having seen the show for the last 10 years, I didn't expect a balls-out, knuckle, drag-out, you know, Superman, Batman you know, apocalypse, Supergirl Jimmy fight, you know, like that kind of, no, no, no. I mean like, you know, the direct to video, like <clears throat> Superman, Batman, apocalypse, like he fights yeah, dark yeah. side and it's like this long drawn out, you know, like DBZ style. Like I'm going to kick you to the fucking moon. You're going to blow up the Smallville <laughs> shed type fight. But in this, it's like, do they have the money to blow up the Smallville shed? No. Do they have the money to have a big fight? No. When the guy's all CGI looking like, you know, Dark Martin side or Lionel side or whatever <laughs> he looks like, like, do they have the money to even keep him looking like that for the whole fight? No. It's like when they had Doomsday in season eight, people were like, Doomsday? Doomsday before he even becomes Superman? That's weird. Okay. Whatever. Oh, they're going to fight at the end? Well, what what does he actually do to Doomsday? Like, not very much. Throws you know, him like, into something. <laughs> pretty much. Like, that. that's what they have the money to do. So it's like, uh, to me, it's kind of what, you know, it, it has its inherent problems that you're describing, Brian. But to me, it's like, it seems like a lot of those issues were there from day one. Uh -huh. So for me, it's like, 
if it's somebody like me who's been watching it for 10 years and has those complaints now, I'm kind of like, well, what show were you watching for the last 10 years, you stupid ass fuck? But like for, <laughs> for like, you know, for like guys like you that are kind of like random viewers, it's like, to me, it makes a little more sense because you're just kind of going, well, hey, you know, there's all this kind of buildup. Like if you were just sort of somebody who saw these these ads and they're hyping it up and they're going, he gets in the suit, he gets in the suit, he gets in the suit, and then you tune in for like, you know, two hours and he doesn't get into the suit until the last two minutes and then your attitude is, well, he didn't really get into the suit. It's just like CGI and like he rips open his shirt, you know, mm -hmm. and you're let down. Like I could understand that, you know, but to me I didn't expect them to do much more than what they actually did. I mean, when I said like, you know, it began how it ended – I really wasn't being totally sarcastic. I mean, I really didn't expect, like, a huge knockdown drag-out fight. I, I'm with you on that. It was like, yeah, it's going to end how it started. He's going to throw something. You know, that's what we do, you know? It's the throwing show. And as far as my personal <laughs> – it's the throwing show. As well, let's I... say, like, let's say there was a show, like, I don't know, CSI, and they had, like, a terrorist with, a, like, a car bomb parked outside some federal building. You watch the show for an hour – and in the last two minutes, an agent just goes up to the Buick and pushes it down a side street. It's like, oh, <laughs> well, awesome. They got rid of the problem. I guess it's over. But I don't know. It's just a letdown. But I, I do understand, like, what you're saying with Dark Side being all CGI, and they don't really have the money to do a long, drawn-out fight. So I can I can see where it being a TV show definitely has some limitations. I mean, you know, the, the minute I saw Dark Side from the first episode of Season 10 – and he was like a little Galactus, you know, puff cloud. I was kind of like, oh, well, clearly this is not going to be what anybody who, who knows Darkseid or is a fan of Darkseid. You know, I, I, I can't see anybody going, oh, yeah, like, that's totally going to be great. You know, like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you kind of know where they're going with that. And, and, and I think it's important that you brought up the connection you felt with the Green Arrow-Clark fight as opposed to any major fight. Because I think, like, one of the villains that worked the best in terms of, like, the big fights in the show was Zod. And it was when Zod possessed Lex and when it was just plain old, you know, the clone of Zod from Kandor. Because, you know why? They were both real fucking dudes. You know, right. and even if they were, like, super powered and throwing each other into walls and shit, you could spend, like, you know, oh my god, five minutes on the fucking fight. You know, as opposed to it being, like, you know... 30 seconds and then oh my god he threw him somewhere you know <laughs> so you know that to me is is kind of like well you know like th those to me worked more than you know the fight with lionel side i guess is what they're calling him or whatever and uh, as far as i i mean my thoughts on it like it, my kind of take on it is like when when miller and goth left by like season seven i mean they were never into it seemed like anytime anybody asked them a question like well gee how are you going to make this line up like how is he gonna you know nobody kind of addressed the fact that there's an inherent problem with clark kent running around without glasses on for that long and lex knowing him as clark instead of superboy i mean because it's kind of like a weird amalgamation of the man of steel era superman comics where he's kind of never been superboy and he kind of does these heroic things that Ma Kent posts in scrapbooks where he's kind of like this blur character they made up. And then eventually he gets caught doing it one time with Lois Lane and then he goes public. And the next time he shows up, he's Superman in costume. 
But the thing is, they wanted to stretch that out, you know, just kind of like you're saying with the graveyard scene. You know, they stretch those things out as long as possible, whether it's the relationship, you know, they call it like Klana, because it's like Clark and Lana or whatever. And some people, like, can't stand that. It just goes on and on and on. It's like, she loves him. She doesn't love him. She's with this guy. She's with that guy. This happens. That happens. And, you know, like I said. And now she's made of kryptonite. Oh, man. Oh, how sad. Bummer. No. And for, for, for all the, the, I think the, the ladies I was talking about, you know, that I knew at work that watched that show, for them, that's their crack. You know, it's their, their you know, that's what they get off on, I think, in, in watching those kind of shows, you know, that kind of drama, you know, of, of, you know, even if it's kind of forced and cheesy and, and even drawn out to some, you know, like, you know, and, and most people kind of just want to watch Superman, you know, kick some ass or, you know, do whatever he does. All the guys are like, punch something, and all the girls are like, kiss something. Right. (laughs) And then then they kind of of combined it with the whole Silver Age Superboy track where him and Lex were friends. But Lex was really friends with Superboy and not Clark Kent. So you kind of have this inherent problem in the original dynamics that Miller and Goff never planned to address. They just wanted to do their show. And then once they left it, it was kind of just left up to these guys that inherited the show. So then you have all these kind of, you know, do sex machina things where, you know, and not that that hasn't been done like 40 million times in the comics, but you know, you, you have Lex with his goop that wipes his mind. And so he doesn't know Clark is Superman. So it somehow magically lines up like, you know, the whole wedding thing and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't know to some people, they're kind of like, Oh, well that kind of ruins like, why, why would he be, a villain against Superman if his memory was white, you know, mm-hmm. like you, what, what happened to their friendship that turned into a rivalry that turned into like being enemies, you know? Right. And so like, you know, I, I, for me, like the finale, I was just like, I was kind of happy they got Rosenbaum back, you know, at least for that one scene. Cause you know, I always thought he was the stronger actor of the group that was on that show. And, and he kind of classed up that scene in the last few minutes. I mean, I can't tell you how much I wanted Chloe to just die and be killed. And, you know, you know, and the the funny part is, you know, yeah, I like green arrow cause I'm a superhero fan and everything, but I'm telling you, they, they keep pairing up people who are, let's just say good looking people, but can't really hold a scene together. So it's like, you've got, you know, you know, green arrow and Chloe and, you know, just all these kind of like half-assed, you know, actors and actresses, and you're like, oh, really? We're going to have to spend a whole 15 minutes on Chloe, you know, and stuff like that? So, you know, to me, to see Rosenbaum kind of come out and and do that one last scene with him where he's kind of egging him on and saying, look, you know, this is what our destiny is and all that kind of stuff. Like, it might all have been cheesy lines and stuff, but to me, I'm kind of like, oh, well, he sold it. And, And I think one of my favorite early episodes was, the one where he, you know, touches the old lady's hand, kind of sees like he's going to be the president and he's going to have the little kryptonite infected hand and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I kind of liked some of the throwbacks to to those little moments and, and stuff like that. And, you know, even even in the comics, when he was president, he, he knew that Clark Kent was Superman. And then, like, eventually they had Manchester Black, like, wipe his mind clean of that. So it's not like, you know, the comics are innocent of, you know, mind wipes and all this stuff like that. But, you know, I could see where people kind of thought, you know, oh, well, why don't you just let the show be its own thing and stand on its own? But I think maybe there was a lot of pressure felt to to sort of 
line it up to maybe what people's idea of Superman, you know, whether it be the Donner movies or, you know, whatever idea they had in their head, the animated series or something like that, that sort of lined up to something more familiar than what Smallville eventually became, which was kind of its own little, you know, almost ultimate comics version of Superman. Hey, Derek, think fast, better show, Smallville or Lois and Clark? I'm going to go with Smallville just because Superman doesn't uh, like a manhole cover all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, Lois and Clark was very but heavy. Terry Hatcher, come on. No, Terry Hatcher's super hot. real. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, that's that. But, you know, there's plenty. I, I If you're just going to go on hot girls, I mean, Erica Durance is not anything to, uh, to sneeze at, and neither is Kristen Crook. So, I mean. You know. Yeah, I'll get you back with that. <laughs> Justin has to make his voice known. <laughs> oh, we're talking about chicks. Time for Justin to shine. <laughs> uh, well, well, speaking of which, Justin, what, what did you think about it? Did you think it ended well, or did it make you, like, pee fire and frustration? Or <laughs> Well, my opinion of this series overall is probably going to be different from the rest of you, because until, I don't know, like two weeks ago, I'd never even watched a single episode, like... I remember hearing about Smallville when you know when it was in development. I was like, "Oh, that sounds pretty cool." A series about Superboy, and then I was like, "Oh, it's not really Superboy. It's Clark running around doing some stuff, and it's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be some soap opera elements in it." And I was like, "Ah, that doesn't sound like much. I don't really care." But you know, Derek gave me a little cheat sheet and list of episodes to watch, and I watched most of them. Probably the two that I enjoyed the most was the one where Clark goes back in time to save Lana from getting killed. I thought that was a pretty good episode, even though as soon as he proposed and told her who he was, I knew it was going to be erased from time somehow. I also thought the Justice Society episode was pretty good. I did have some problems with it, like Icicle Jr. killing Sandman and Dr. Fate, and I thought that was a little bit too much. <laughs> It was also nice to see Michael Shanks as Hawkman. Uh, I've always thought he was a pretty good actor, and I was also really happy to see Michael Shanks in something that you know wasn't beneath him, like a sci-fi channel movie of the week, because I think he's a pretty good actor. So I thought he did a pretty good job as the Hawkman. But uh, as far as the final episode goes, I didn't really care for it too much. It just seemed like you know, kind of like what. Derek or Brian have already said I didn't really care for it. It just seemed like, you know, from my perspective, I only wa- recently watched the first couple of episodes and then I watched a couple of the last. So it just seemed like Clark was still dealing with stuff he's been dealing with since the first and second season where he's like, oh, should I listen to Jor-El or my dad? I'm caught between two worlds. Which one should I go with? I'm just like, it's been 10 years. Make a decision already. Come on. <laughs> you know, follow Seriously, one of after that barn scene, I thought he was going to head out to the Duke boys ranch and talk it over with Uncle Jesse or something. <laughs> <laughs> Should I let go or not? Let me get a second opinion on this. Let me get a fifth opinion. Holy cow. And then he's, he's I'm going to go see Daisy, guys, and figure this out. All of, all of a sudden, he's in the General Lee with Daisy and Lana, and he's, like, you know, jumping over a bridge or something, and it pauses, and they got a little dramatic voice over Yeah, it pauses, and they go, after that, he totally wore the Superman suit and fought crime. <laughs> Yeehaw! The end. And then it's he funny, threw like... the General Lee. <laughs> <laughs> That boy likes throwing things. <laughs> oh, he he threw that boss hog right in the, right in the... <laughs> Oh my lord! Oh man! But yeah, I well, I did kind of get sick of you know Lana going back and forth between she's like oh I totally love Clark and and then you know all of a sudden she's like oh I totally love Lex and I'm gonna he's gonna hit me and we're gonna you know have a miscarriage and I'm gonna get married and then I'm gonna fake my death and I'm like oh, what. <laughs> Oh, and now I'm totally in love with Clark again. I'm like, oh, man, this is terrible. 
Yeah, the, the funny <laughs> thing about mind wipes that never work is it's always one-sided. It's like you can, you know, you can wipe C-3PO's mind, but you can't wipe, you know, Uncle Owen's mind. <laughs> you know, it's like you can wipe Lex Luthor's mind, but it's like you can't wipe, like, every fucking buddy else who's ever seen Clark's face. Since You know, you can't wipe Dan Loria's face, who was the football coach, you know, or whatever, <laughs> you know. But anyway. I thought Lex was actually going to be reduced to, like, an infant level, but... Once he became president, I'm like, well, I'll probably not. He's like, wah! <laughs> Huge it! You got my vote, sir. <laughs> All hail President Baby. <laughs> hail Scrooge. Well, I, do you have anything to add, Mike? <laughs> They've done yeah. pretty good job so far. Well, I was going to say, like, like Derek, you, you were saying, like, you know, you get used to it. Like, you know, they just don't have the budget for it. But I'm like, like my, my line of reasoning is... Why are they trying to do this stuff in the first place? Hmm. Like, you know, the first couple seasons, you know, I, I, I watched it the first season. I pretty much watched in and out. And then, you know, I, for the last like 10 years, I've dipped in and out. I've watched like patches of episodes here and there. And, you know, the first couple seasons, it was basically, you know, basically a ripoff of Buffy with Superman, you know, and like Superman in high, in uh, high school or, you know, nine, nine, oh, two, one, oh. Buffy elements, you know, with, like, Monster of the Week and all that. Then, like, they started to, like, you know, add more and more elements of Superman's, like, mythos until, basically, you know, he was Superman even without the, you know, costume, you know. Yeah. He, he was Superman, what, like, four or five seasons ago when you get... He, he was, he was, uh, to me, and uh, my take on it was, like, he was Superman by season eight already, at yeah. least. You know, if not earlier than that. And then you have, like, funny stuff going on where... You know, Lois Lane is introduced by season four and Supergirl's introduced by season seven. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. It's like, what? Before you know it, like, you know, Beppo the super monkey is going to be running around in costume <laughs> before Clark ever learns how to fucking fly. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? My, yeah, my problem is like, it seems like they tried to go too big of a scale too soon. I mean, I don't think the the original, you know, producers and creators of the show intended for them to go like, this far like it seems like he's handling problems that he shouldn't handle yet and you know since they don't have the budget for it it turns out to be like half-assed versions of these problems so it's mm. like i noticed they really like the trope of not if you know they can't actually do the guy so they do like a human avatar of the guy like they did it with doomsday they did it with, you know, Zod with the right. incest Lex. They did it with, you know, Brainiac, you know, it was Spike. They did it with, and then they did it with Darkseid at the very end when he was like the Floronic Man or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I guess I'm just a, my line of thinking is if you can't do it right, why bother trying it at all? You know, but I also really don't like, you know, I call it the mighty Smallville reset button where everything goes back to normal or they have to, like, twist it so it fits continuity. Like, you know, I was the doomsday season. I was watching that and I thought it was pretty, like, pretty bad. And then I was like, oh, whoa, they killed Jimmy Olsen. So this show is finally doing its own thing. That's pretty cool. And then, like, five minutes later, we're at Jimmy's funeral, and you meet Jimmy Olsen Jr., his little brother. And I was like, oh. Yeah, so they're like, oh, you're James Bartholomew Olsen. <laughs> yeah, James Olsen Jr. Oh, so he's going to be the real Jimmy Olsen. And I'm like, come on. You know, it's just, I'm just like, you know, it's like a, it feels like a cop-out to me. And, like, they're, they're trying to be slave 
to a continuity that shouldn't like really even factor in. Cause like you said, it's supposed to be, you know, they intended it for it to be its own thing. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think like I had this weird moment of Wolverine origins in season three where it looked like Michael Rosenbaum's character was like, I, I forget what was going on with him, but it looked like he, he blew up or something in a car wreck or something like that. And, and you see like the person behind all the explosions and all the other things is Lionel, but they, they have him in the jail cell and they're like actually like shaving his head like Lex. And all of a sudden, like to me, I go, Oh, they probably won't do this because it doesn't line up with continuity. But I'm like, Oh, how cool would that be if it turned out he was like the real Lex yeah, Luthor. I remember a lot of that speculation you know, around that, that time, like, yeah. Where you felt like, you know, that, you know, not that Wolverine Origins is like the greatest comic book ever, but that kind of weird, you know, turned it on its head where you're like, oh shit, it's the little fucking sick kid who's Wolverine. Like, yeah. I thought it was going to be this little asshole who looked just like him that was, you know, named Dog, you know, like, but it's not, you know, and so they yeah. kind of, you know, they kind of psyched you because you had like certain expectations well, I, I, I was gonna say i can totally back you on the uh, chloe is an idiot and she should have died line of thought i just i just all i remember is from like season eight when she was like you know she was like i'm protecting clark by boning this murderer you know and just <laughs> following darks so, uh, i mean a uh, doomsday doomsday davis around or whatever and you know i was just like come on really yeah yeah but uh, and was you know it's like if i fuck him he won't punch Clark. Yeah. <laughs> but it was too late because Clark threw Doomsday away from her. <laughs> uh, well, as I was going to say, I, I just realized I didn't really say anything about the finale. And, you know, it was probably oh. like like Brian said, it was probably like a, a condensing into two hours of like everything I didn't like about Smallville. And, you know, I kind of wanted I wanted to see Tom Welling in the Superman suit. Not like a CGI double in shadow and from far away. So, you know, that was kind of disappointing. I, I think one of the problems they had with that, though, and I could be wrong, but, like, that's the suit from Superman Returns. So I yeah. think it was, like, tailor-made for Ralph. Yeah, yeah. Well, it comes back to the same shit. It's all it's all about the almighty dollar, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they they can't like... spend the, the same money they spent to tailor-make a suit for two minutes of screen time. That, you know, and, and then and then it's kind of comes back to what Mike said. Well, if you can't spend the money on it, then why fucking do it? You know, like. Hey, one thing you got to give Lois and Clark. At least Clark did have a Superman suit. <laughs> yes, he did. And then he wore it exactly 10 minutes to the mark at the end of every episode. <laughs> and he was Clark for 50 other minutes. Just um, when he needed it. But at least the Smallville Lois didn't need any frogs or anything. Yeah, yeah, no frogs. <laughs> Clark didn't fold his arms across uh, over his chest, not nearly enough in that show. <laughs> not nearly enough. <laughs> uh, and and I don't know, I don't know what's worse, the Deathstroke from Lois and Clark being Antonio Sabato, what's his face, or or uh, Colonel Ty. So I don't know. The Deathstrokes are both pretty pretty piss poor in both shows. I'm Slade. How old are you? Seventy four. <laughs> like I'm Slade. I'm Antonio Sabato Jr. Oh, was he like the the guy with the energy powers or whatever? He was supposed in Lois and Clark. Was that supposed? Yeah, to be it's like it's like he he was like it, it, his name was like Deathstroke. So he was supposed to be like the Terminator, but he looked just like Clark Kent. He had like a pair of glasses, and then he would like try to like touch people's hearts yeah I, I vaguely remember that episode yeah so i'm like i'm like i don't know that version of deathstroke is pretty questionable don't you get it my name is deathstroke because i'm stroking your chest and i'm deafing yeah, you pretty ah. much <laughs> deafing you with my stroke well, i will say was it 
you, Justin, or Brian, who said, like, when when Clark went to the grave to talk with Ghost Dad or whatever. Uh, that was Brian. I, I was going to – that would have probably redeemed the finale for me if he went and it was Bill Cosby he was talking to. <laughs> <laughs> like, Clark, you better go do something and buy some jello pudding while you do it. <laughs> I think that would have that would probably would have redeemed the show for me. No, but then Clark would be like, "Wait, wait, do I want do I want vanilla Jello pudding?" Do I want yeah, we'd get four different Jell-O? scenes about that. <laughs> no, he would struggle with it for ten years. I remember to use Kodak film at your wedding, <laughs> but I've always used Fuji. Damn it. <laughs> Pharrell tells me to use Fuji. Is he wrong? <laughs> oh my Granted, god! He is a dick a lot, but sometimes he's really cool. Why is my dad just like me? I gotta admit that Jarrell in Smallville, like that, has to be the most sophisticated AI message recording I've ever seen. Because <laughs> he always seems to have like conversational messages to to his son. I'm like, you guys know that it's just a, uh, you know, it's just like a tape recording. It can't like solve your problems. You, you imagine if you like came to like a tape recording of of your deceased parent and you were like talking to it, like, what do you want from me? Tell <laughs> me the answers. <laughs> Well, I always thought like Jarrell was always like like Clark. It seemed like Clark was doing the opposite of what Jarrell was telling him, and then at the end, Jarrell was like, "Oh, well, this was always my plan that you should not <laughs> like what I was telling you to do and do the exact opposite, which is what I really wanted you to do." So, haha, yeah. <laughs> I knew you I, would pick Kodak film. <laughs> I just thought it would be funny if you know Clark went to the fortress and it was like Jarrell. I think I think Lana gave me something. What do I do? And Jarrell's like, "Please insert tape two. <laughs> yeah, or like you know, like when you the... when you hear R two D two beep like this, <laughs> turn the page. no time to turn the page. <laughs> That'd be like great. Like also, like you know, he's like sitting there and he's like, "What do I do to help my friend?" And Joel's like, "Clark, you must understand that you cannot always help." Chloe, Lana, Green Arrow. <laughs> 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 oh, okay, guys. Uh, we could go on and on about this, but we we should move on, and this is going to be the whole episode. So, so for the most part, folks, I think you can. And I'll just sum up my thought real quick. Throwing things. I already said it. That's pretty much all I got to say about it. Push it out of the oh, way. Yep. Push it. <laughs> oh, but even though we were not very impressed with Smallville. The next topic is something most people seem to like here. I, as far as I know, none of you guys have said anything bad about it. If you keep that up, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. Jesus, Mom, I'm reading a comic book. I'll be out in a minute. A comic called Invincible. I've already mentioned earlier this was written by Robert Kirkman, printed by Image Comics, that horrible imprint that Rob Liefeld started with some friends that actually managed to turn out some good books in the last couple of years. So don't turn away just because it says image. They actually have gone up in quality. Yeah, I've read a couple issues, but I know Brian was really wanting to kind of jump in on this one again because he kind of was just excited to talk about it. So what, what do you think about Invincible pretty much as a whole, sir? Well, I don't know if it had been, like, hyped to me that much or if I just hyped it myself because of how much I enjoy The Walking Dead, which is by Kirkman as well. But I was actually kind of let down. And when I was reading it, I actually went back to something Derek said, like, I don't know, four or five podcasts ago, or maybe even longer. He he partially judged the quality of a comic by the amount of crapper time he got out of it. <laughs> he was saying, you know, like Bendis stuff, you know, he couldn't even get out a couple grunts or something before he's through. But 
when he sat down with an Alan Moore book, he'd know he could be in there for a while. But anyways, like when I was reading through Invincible, it's like, man, it's a fast read. And yeah, that's true. It is. It's like, I think a large part of it is there's like maybe not any or maybe just not very many like thought balloons or anything. It's just all dialogue. So it's a very quick read. Overall, though, I did actually enjoy the twist. I suppose we can talk about it because it's been out forever. The only one that you'd probably spoil it would be for me, and I, I actually read it now. So the plot twist with his father, like, turning out to be evil and being part of, like, a group that's co going out and conquering planets, that was a really good plot twist and something I hadn't seen before. So I, I did enjoy the book as a whole, just not quite as much as I thought I would, but it was enough that I did order the second like volume of it, so I'm going to continue reading it. So the, the volume you ordered goes up to what, issue 12, issue 13? I'm thinking it's more than that, but it pretty much ends with Invincible getting the crap beat out of him and then his dad. Yeah, did. I think that's issue 12. Yeah, that's like okay. issue 12, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, to, to me, like it's I, I enjoyed reading what I read. I think my my first exposure to it was through Spider-Man, of all things, because he, he teams, you know, Robert Kirkman wrote the I think it's like the third volume of Marvel team up. So that was the first time I, I saw Invincible. And then I sort of checked out the. I think, you know, whatever the first, I, the, the trades actually, it's kind of funny. They're, they're named after sitcoms and stuff. So, so I remember I checked out like the first couple trades and stuff. I think like, you know, it's called like family ties and eight is enough. You know, they're, they're all named after like old out of this world, you know, the, from last week's show, <laughs> like they're all, they're all named after sitcoms and stuff. But I, I remember reading that and to me, it, it just reminded me a lot of, I, I know a lot of people, it seemed like kind of brand new to them and stuff. But to me, like, some things I tend to like that are my favorites, like, I, I put Omni-Man as one of my top ten favorite non-Superman supermen on my, you know, my History of Comics on film blog. You know, so I was spoiling Omni-Man long before you were, but like you said, it's been, you know, a long time, so I'm sure everybody, you know, knows by now, hopefully, you know, if, if they haven't already read it. But the story to me, like, it kind of reminded me of things like Dragon Ball Z, you know, how the mm -hmm. Saiyans were sent to conquer worlds. And, and even there, there was, even though they didn't follow up on it at all, you know, we're talking about Smallville, there was like this weird element of, you know, Jarrell's like, I have sent you here to conquer the earth. And you're kind of like, what? Like, you know, so, so like there, there were like, I, I remember people trying to put, you know, spins and twists on, you know, things like Superman-esque things and superhero things. But I also think some of the elements that people probably liked about it, too, was, you know, kind of like Ultimate Spider-Man or, or even just, you know, Batman Beyond or any kind of teen kid Spider-Man-ish vibe, you know, to it where he's a kid in high school. He's kind of got regular problems. And oh, yeah, by the way, his dad's Superman. You know, like that kind of thing to it where, you, you know, you kind of got into it from that kind of angle and stuff. The only other thing, I, you know, I was just going to mention some things like that I thought were kind of funny was like I, I was just reviewing like the first dozen or so issues because I figured that's what you had read. And, you know, like I thought issue five with Alan was pretty funny. You know, the whole misunderstanding about, you know, oh, wait, this is planet Earth. Uh, I'm supposed to go to Earth. You know, and all this kind of stuff. Like, I thought that was kind of funny. And then my other favorite funny moment was, you know, he's got his buddy William, you know. And so when, when William figures out he's, you know, a superhero, he's kind of like, dude, 
Like, you know, and he points up to the sky and stuff, and then he takes his buddy flying, and he's like, oh, dude, this is so gay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, when he's flying with his buddy and stuff like that. That always makes me laugh. I always thought it was interesting that that whole planet of aliens all have mustaches. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that was the cause of their Yeah, evil. it's Vil- Viltramites, yeah. The, yeah. All, all, all Viltramite males have to grow a mustache yeah, or something, yeah. They all have to be bad men from GT. Yeah. <laughs> bad, bad. Yeah, what do you think about it, my, you think it's pretty good, or? Oh yeah, I, lo- I follow it regularly. It's uh, it's in my poll list. I, I, I'm up to speed <laughs> with it, like all the way. To... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We'll leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, well, obviously, I'm not going to spoil anything for you know Brian or anything. I, I like it for the most part. Kirkman's kind of hit or miss with me. Like sometimes he's really on his game, and sometimes he like fails miserably. Like his Ultimate X Men run, but. You know, Invincible's usually on his game. It's kind of like the Bendis thing. Like, he, like it's his baby. You know, like, Bendis is always good on Ultimate Spider-Man because it's mostly his baby. And same thing with Kirkman and Invincible. I like a lot of elements that he, he, he he's determined to show, like, you know, like, the real, like, try to be as graphic as possible about the effects of, like, you know, superhuman violence on superhumans. Like, so that's, like, the gore kind of works in the in the comics' favor most of the time. Sometimes it yeah. gets a little too extreme, but it's not, it's nearly not, like, it's not, like, walking dead extreme usually. Well, he, he picks and chooses his moments. Like, I, I, I know, you know, nobody wants anything current, you know, spoiled per se, but I'll just tell Mike that in, in reading the current Vultramite war arc, you know, there's moments where you're reading it and it's kind of, you know, your average typical, you know, DC Marvel superhero fight yeah. face. <laughs> And then you turn a page, and then you just go, "Holy!" Fuck. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a bit extreme, yeah. you know. And 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 there's those moments where all of a sudden, you know, some shit goes down. That's some, you know, Doc Brown. You know, you're gonna see some serious shit. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of true of yeah, some intestines get rip, ripped out and whatnot. Yeah. So, but oh, great! I can't continue reading. <laughs> Thanks. No, but. You know, I like I I read like the first arc of Walking Dead, and I and like from my I it's okay, but Walking Dead to me is like really really bleak. Like I don't know, at least Invincible has like moments of like triumph and stuff. So like I don't know if I'd like Kirk like following Kirkman's stuff like on Walking Dead so much. Like my my one of my good friends who follows Walking Dead is always like, man, this like. You just read this comic and then you need like you know a drink afterwards because you're like oh man like this is so depressing but you know Invincible at least seems to be like mostly on like the sunshine path kind of I call it you know like things will be good again eventually you know one thing though like I was gonna say Kirkman's kind of hit or miss with me sometimes I don't like his attitude about certain things like he'll say like you you guys are saying like it's a very quick read well like people will complain about that in the letters page like they'll be like man Kirkman you didn't you sure didn't like write much of a script for this and Kirkman will come back will be like well if you if you only finish a comic book in like five minutes you're not reading it right because you know you didn't enjoy the art and all that and I'm like yeah I enjoy the art but you know I don't have to stare at the page for like five minutes <laughs> each page you know to enjoy it so and yeah sometimes he gets a little too real like 
I won't spoil things, but like in recent issues, like he's gotten a little too real for me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Things I, have come in elements he's added in, and like I'm sure he he'll defend it as oh, in real life stuff like this happens sometimes. But I'm like, I read comics not to like so I can ignore real life. You know, I don't need to see this stuff in in my comics too. So. So well, it's, it, it's funny because it seems like people get to pick and choose. It's like I, I, I just wanted to bring up that one of, one of the Kirkman books I've been following on a regular basis, like I kind of dip in and out of Invincible here and there, but I, I've been reading Haunt. And that's like with McFarlane or whatever. That's, but the, like, that's the Venom looking guy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, to me, like I, I was just going to describe it. It's kind of like Spawn that doesn't suck. <laughs> like that's basically what it is, like kind of in a weird way. You know, maybe that's you know too. You know, to them they'd be like, oh no, 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 it's nothing like Spawn. It's totally different. You know, I mean, it's obviously not exactly the same plot, but you know, it's kind of like he's you know basically, it's like his his brother is this government agent and he gets killed, and then his the main character is basically like a priest. You know that that you know. And so he basically starts seeing his dead brother, and they have control of the suit together. So it's kind of like this weird, like, dead firestorm venom spawn suit thing going on or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it, to me it's like it's a little more bleak than, say, something like Invincible because it deals with kind of the shady stuff that's going on. But you're talking about, like, realism per se. Yeah. It's like, well, his eventually, you know, you know, by a certain point, it's like his girlfriend is a hooker he saves. And I'm kind of <laughs> like, well, how real is that? You know, like compared to, say, you know, what you're thinking about, you know, where yeah. it's like, oh, yes, well, we're uh, deal with real world stuff. That's why I wouldn't be able to take Kirkman's writing on like Walking Dead for too long, because I'd be like, oh, it's just too depressing. And I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned Spawn, like this buddy of mine. I don't I don't see him so often. I see him maybe like two or three times a year maybe, but he reads he he read Spawn from issue 1 and like he usually keeps up with it and we have like this joke Every time I see him, I'm like, uh, so how's Spawn doing? And he's always, like, all depressed, and he's like, he, like, sighs, and he's, like, still moping in an alley. And I was like... <laughs> yeah, I, I remember buying, like, a whole bunch of Spawn one time to catch up, and I was sort of appalled by the fact that at, I think this was, like, a run during, like, the 50s to, like, the mid-hundreds, and I found a bunch of them for, like, 25 cents or whatever, so I bought them all. And, you know, just for fun. And, and I was kind of appalled that it's like Spawn, not only was he in the alley, but he had, he was like basically sitting on a throne of like dead, like bums, like pretty <laughs> much, or like guys he had killed in the alley. And I was just kind of like, are you fucking shitting me? Like, what, what happened to you, dude? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you used to be cool, Spawn, man. What happened, Spawn? I'm like, no, Spawn, you were never cool. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> I, I like Keith David Spawn is cool, but he's like the only one, yeah. Overall, though, I, li I like Invincible. I wouldn't follow it, like, I wouldn't buy the single issues if I didn't like it. So, you know, overall, it's a good comic. And I, defi I definitely dig, like, the DBZ parallels, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff. And you know me, like, outer space equals cool, so... <laughs> yeah. The minute they're off in outer space fighting wars with other aliens and stuff like that, I always I always kind of dig that kind of stuff. Oh, I, I also wanted to mention my favorite comedy moment. I don't know if this was in the first 12 issues or not, but uh, it's not like a major plot point. Do you mind if I say it, Brian? Or Yeah, you can go ahead. Hang on. Let's okay. take a uh, Well, <laughs> okay. Say... Uh, 
when when <laughs> spoilers i guess yeah when mark when mark graduates from high school like during the ceremony he throws like his cap up and he forgets his own strength and the cap never comes down and like <laughs> three or four issues later like it just cuts to some random scene in england like where there's like i i forgot there's like a meeting going on and the cap lands on some guy and they're like they start <laughs> worshiping him as a god <laughs> <laughs> That's but awesome. I just thought that was hilarious. What about you, Justin? Have you read any Invincible or not a fan? Or Yeah, I've, I've read up to issue 51, I think. It's not something I read, you know, issue to issue. I just kind of read it in spurts, you know, every now and then to catch up. But, yeah, I really like it. I guess like the rest of you, when I, when I was starting to breeze for the, through those first few issues, I, you know, wasn't kind of sure of it. But what got me is you read a few issues and then – you get kind of hooked on it. You're like, well, I want to see where this is going, and you know, I want to see where this is going and where that's going. And I guess it's the characters and the humor that kind of pulled me into it because I'm always in tune with stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I I really dig it. I'll probably sit down here soon and try and read a few more issues and catch up. But uh, yeah, it's a re- it's a great book, so I would recommend it to anybody who likes comics. I don't really have a whole lot to add compared to what you guys have already you know said about it. I have probably not read as many as you guys. I've read a pretty good amount of them though. I think the thing I really like about it, I kind of like the fact that he's doing a lot of, you know, it's a term we use a lot in geekdom, but he's doing a lot of world building. He's, like, making his own, like, superhero mythos. I mean, yeah, he's borrowing from other ideas and stuff, but, you know, Invincible didn't have, like, Superman characters to borrow off of. It didn't have Wolverine to bump up the sales and stuff, and he's made a lot of his own characters. Some of them are, you know, similar to other characters and other combo companies, but they have their own little twist on them, their own little spin. And I kind of like that. I like the idea that this guy, like, it, it, it really reads to me, besides the fact that it has higher quality in a lot of ways, it reads to me of, like, you know, those comics you used to do when you were, like, eight years old, where it's like, you know, I'm going to make Robot Man fight Headphone Dude. And, like, you know, to you, it's, like, awesome. But this guy, like, kind of stuck with it. Kirkman stuck with it. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to make freaking headphone dude, but he's going to be fucking awesome. And, <laughs> you know, like, he may not be, but he actually, you know, it, 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 you could tell the characters he made he really likes. He really loves them. And, you know, even if it is a quick read sometimes, I mean, I understand that. Like, a couple of the issues I read, there's a couple of them that actually, you know, were a little bit more of a read. But there's a couple of them that I read. I was like, wow, that was quick. But at the same time... I could tell that he was enjoying writing it. And there's a lot of comics where I've read where it seems like they were writing to meet the almighty deadline. And they're like, okay, we got to get this out. And it seems like he really likes what he's doing. So that kind of comes through. So, yeah, I'll tell you. I'll totally back you up on that, Tony. I get that feeling from it too, and you know some of the some of my favorite comics are ones where I can pick up a vibe where I'm just like, okay, this this guy totally he knows what he's writing, he's having fun, and it's it's showing through the script and everything on the page. It's kind of like I would say like Hickman's run on you know Fantastic Four and now into FF. Like I get a sense that you know he really does love you know. Fantastic Four, he's went into the history and, you know, read all bunch of Fantastic Four comics. He really like, loves the characters. You know, he's, he's spent years building up all these different stories, and now, you know, they're kind of coming together, and I just get a sense he really loves the characters, and that's the reason I've really enjoyed his run on Fantastic Four and Future Fandalshin. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. When, when you read something that somebody obviously 
enjoys writing or enjoys drawing or whatever like that, it really does make you want to get more invested in it. You're like, hey, this guy's having fun. Why the, why the hell not can I have fun, you know? I'm going to get in with it. So, yeah, definitely, if you haven't picked up Invincible, at least pick up, like, maybe the first trade paperback or if you see a random issue that's not too far into it where you're kind of lost, just pick it up. Give it a read. I mean, worst thing that will happen is you'll maybe find a new comic you like. So... Enough, uh, enough for uh, Kirkman this week. We might get back to him on some other comics on another time. I figure we should probably go on to our roundtable discussion for this week. Pretty, pretty good topic. I don't know who came up with who came up with the uh, roundtable this time. I, I think that was me. Oh, okay, cool. Good afternoon. Can I help you? Yes, my name is Bond, James Bond. I am looking for Doctor Goodhead. You just found her. A woman. We're going to be discussing our favorite James Bond movies. I really shouldn't have to explain this to any of our listeners. Bond has been around for four decades as far as movies, right? Five decades? No, 60. So, yeah, four decades or something like that. He's been around a while. So, yeah, if you don't know who James Bond is, I can't help you any more than that. Lots of movies have been released. Lots of actors have played the Agent 007. But we're just going to talk about the ones we like the most. I'm going to start off with, let's see, I'll start off with everybody except Derek, I think. So I'm going to start off with you, sir. What was your favorite Bond movie? So I, I don't know if this is going to be sacrilege to people, but I, I chose Never Say Never Again. And I know that's not considered an official Bond movie. So I'm sure <laughs> there's some people out there that might be going, <laughs> but, but one, I, I, I like Sean Connery, probably the best of, of all the Bonds, so there's that. Never Say Never Again was directed by Irving Kirshner, who directed Empire Strikes Back. And a lot of things that tend to be my favorite things, whether they're comics or movies or books or music or whatever, some of it comes down to familiarity. And, I, you know, I like Empire Strikes Back, even though, you know, most of the Star Wars movies are dead to me. I still have fond <laughs> memories of Empire. And Irving Kirshner, I think, is a large part of that. So some of his direction in this movie, I think, comes across the same way. It was, I think it was done in 83 or 84 or something like that. So it's it's kind of at the height of, you know, the age range for me. You know, I was probably, what, like seven or something like that. So, I, you know, to me, that that's sort of long before my whole anti-remake rules so to me it doesn't kind of apply here because i was seven years old even though it's kind of a remake of thunderball you know he's he's playing video games instead in this movie but to me i mean you know a lot of that stuff's kind of cool kim basinger is young hot good-looking bond girl you've also got bernie casey as the first african-american felix Leiter. And other people, I know we we talked about Star Trek and some other podcasts, but you might recognize him as the Maquis leader Cal Hudson from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I, 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 you know, to me, it was just it, it's a fun movie. It, it also kind of reminded me of, I guess, because Connery was a little older. You know, it was kind of like him coming out of retirement with Bond. You know, with James Bond. So in some ways, I kind of got that Dark Knight Returns vibe to it, where it's like. I'm too old to be doing this, but I'm going to go do it anyway, you know, type thing. And so I kind of, I don't know, I kind of dig that aspect of the movie as well. So that's my that's my Bond pick, Never Say Never Again. Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to mention that. Like, yeah, that was Sean Connery coming back after Moore was Bond for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he, had, he had done his last Bond movie. And so this is, you know, I, I guess the title sprung out of that. Like, I think his wife... You know, because I think he said, oh, I'm never going to play Bond again. And then his wife's like, oh, you should never say never again, because here you are, <laughs> you know, playing him again, you know, type thing. 
Yeah. Then he followed it up with a brilliant Octopussy, unless I'm mistaken. Was <laughs> that one? Wasn't that next? Octopussy? I don't know. Octopussy, I think, was at the... I think they went up against one another. Yeah. So I think Octopussy came out in the summer, and then Never Say Never Again came out in the fall. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Never a big fan of Octopussy, except for the, you know... The jokes. Name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the subtle, <laughs> subtle innuendo was good. What about you, Mike? Who's who's your favorite Bond or Bond movie? I guess I should say we're talking about the movies. I haven't seen all of them. I've only seen like of the classic ones. I think I've only I've only seen I picked Moonraker, but I picked I, out of the classic ones. I think I've only seen Moonraker, Thunderball, and one other that I can't think of right now. But I just picked Moonraker because you know Jaws was very memorable to me as I saw it fairly young. Jaws was very memorable to me as a villain, despite, you know, just the visual look of him. He just, you know, big guy with jaws, you know, basically, you know. <laughs> well, he's kind of like, he's kind of like a Batman villain. Or yeah, exactly. That's, villain probably why, it, that's probably why like... it appealed to me. It seemed like it would be, he would be on Adam West's show almost, <laughs> you know. I, I also he's... like, you know, Goldeneye of the, the more current ones. I think Pierce Brosnan's a good Bond. And I, I like Casino Royale, too, you know, with what's-his-face, Daniel Craig. I thought that was a pretty good Batman Begins-esque reboot of Bond. That's pretty much all I have to say. I mean, you know, Bond's not a really big thing. It's only slightly higher than Godzilla was, like, on my range of interests and knowledge, so... Oh, it, it is funny, though. I asked my cousin, like, what's your favorite Bond movie, like, earlier this week? And he was like, James Bond is a pussy. Everyone knows Jason Bourne would kick his ass. <laughs> so the I was funny, like, okay. Yeah. The funny thing, of course, being if it weren't for Bond, there'd be no Jason Bourne. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, well, yeah. Thanks you, for your input. Yeah. <laughs> your cousin is obviously a fool. <laughs> uh, I do I do appreciate the nod to Moonraker. I know that was one of the Blu-rays I picked up and I like well, you know me, I'm a sucker for for outer space. So <laughs> space equals good. Yeah, I I like Moonraker a lot too. I named my first cat Jaws after Jaws from, you know, <laughs> Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker. So I'll I'll totally back you guys up on that. I guess we're all just, like, having a little bit of a secret brotherhood tonight because I was going to pick Moonraker 2 for my favorite movie. I I was going to pick Moonraker 3. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get that out there. Mine will be quick, Tony. I'll say it was just mostly because it kind of seemed campy and fun and, you know, the outer space thing and, like, James Bond and the Bond girl from whatever her name was in that movie, like, coming back to orbit, like, (laughs) under a bed sheet but in zero gravity. It just always gets me. So you go on, I I mean, I really didn't have a whole lot to add. I mean, I agree with you. It's like very campy. Roger Moore was really good at playing that kind of snarky kind of Bond who's just, you don't really know if he's serious or not. You don't know if he's really taking anything serious. He's getting shot at, and he's like, oh, well, hmm, this is quite a pickle I'm in. (laughs) Even if they're the laser beams from the black hole. (laughs) Exactly. And I I agree with you guys as far as the sci-fi thing, too. That really caught my eye. Because when I was a kid, there was a lot of James Bond movies playing on, like, you know, TV and stuff, on TBS and stuff. And I was like, I really don't care about James. Oh, Space Shuttle, you know, and I'm there. (laughs) And, you know, I I, I think the beginning scene is one of the more classic Bond openings where the giant thing eats the, (laughs) you know, Space Shuttle. And they're like, you know, like, hmm, that's an interesting way to open up. It was just it was a fun movie. I think that's why I liked it. A lot of Bond movies to me at that age seemed kind of boring and dry. 
And that was like space shuttles, guys with metal teeth, and yeah, hell yeah, I'll watch that. I'm with you though, Mike. My second choice would probably be GoldenEye as well. I, I too am a big fan of Bros and his Bond, and I also really liked how it ended. Spoilers for like a 10-year-old movie, but yeah, the kills he kills the guy with like a friggin' giant satellite dish array, <laughs> and that's that's just a way to go out, man. <laughs> But I, I wasn't trying to cut you off, Brian. Was there anything you want to add? It to? Oh, no, not really. Like, what I said was pretty much all I thought. I think Sean Connery might rate higher on my list if, like, the art of movie making at the time had been a little bit more advanced than it was. But every time I watch, like, a Sean Connery, James Bond movie, it's just like, you know, the gadgets are so cheesy and the effects are so lame. I just really can't get into it. So Roger Moore kind of became my favorite Bond movie and, I don't know, Moonraker became my favorite for, you know, the reasons I already stated. We, we did the best we could with what we had, don't you understand? Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll totally get, you know, back you guys up on Moonraker. It's, it's not my favorite. Mine would be On Her Majesty's Secret Service. That's my favorite Bond movie. That's the infamous one with George Lazenby, his first and only turn as Bond. It's the first one, you know, after Sean Connery left. And a lot of, you know, Bond fans say that it would have been a really great movie of you know, if it was just Connery instead of Lazenby, but I don't think uh, Connery could have, uh, you know, actually sold some of the stuff that happened in the movie. You know, this is this is a movie where Bond gets married at the end, and Lazenby seemed to, you know, portray his Bond a bit more, I guess maybe sensitive, maybe a bit more, you know, caring. So I don't think that Connery could have quite pulled it off the way Lazenby did. But you know, whenever I sit down on you know, pop in a Bond movie, that's usually the first one I put in. But uh, I'm also really fond of For Your Eyes Only and The Living Daylights as well. I think I'm going to add just a random note of, like, a Bond movie that I enjoy just for its, like, kind of horribleness. And that would have to be A View to a Kill. Oh, God. It's so terrible. Yeah, it is. You got you got Grace Jones. You got Duran Duran. You've got... Hot air first, balloons. First of all, whoever thought Grace Jones would be a hot Bond girl should be shot. She's a hot Bond man. Oh, yeah. Like, that that woman scares me. Oh, I second yeah. that. <laughs> I, I really can't tell if she's, like, you know, a woman or just a skinny Mike Tyson. But yeah, that was a bad Bond movie. Yeah, but definitely for the picks we did pick, totally check them out. I think anybody who's kind of a geek, kind of likes comics or like you know science fiction stuff you, you'll like moonraker it's it's got a little cheesiness to it but it it's a good fun little movie it really is we're gonna kind of move on after that on the bond scene uh, thanks for everybody's picks for the future we're gonna talk about something for the future Basically, Marvel has decided that they're going to jump into the MMO ring. They actually were going to do this a while back. It was as early as 2008, but production got kind of iffy. WoW was hitting really big then, World of Warcraft, so they were like, yeah, the market's kind of full. But they went back to uh, production, and they're going to come out with it pretty soon. This is a Marvel MMO, and basically it's a reimagining of, like, you know, a lot of uh, Marvel classic and modern characters you know Bendis is going to be like one of the writers for I guess you know some of the like you know in-game plot lines and stuff like that you know there's a lot of other things about it you should be able to play as Marvel characters and whatnot I know some of you guys have uh, had a chance to actually watch the video I had not had a chance to watch the trailer yet I think Justin sent the email didn't you 
I, I think I sent the email out, but I, I think Justin was the one who got to watch it live. I think yeah. I think it's up on Marvel.com now, though, for anybody to watch. Okay, what, what do you think about the trailer, Justin? Did you seem like it's seem like it's gonna be pretty good, or did they really not show a whole lot? Well, it, not really a, a trailer. It's more of like a press conference where they kind of like they just bring Bendis out and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be the writer." And then the audience asks a bunch of questions, and they give you know very vague answers. But you know, according to them, they're going to include some classic Marvel storylines, and you know, it's there's not going to be a subscription apparently. And I guess the biggest thing is that you can actually play as a Marvel character. You can be Wolverine or Cap or Spider Man. You know, they were they were kind of hazy on the details about that. They were just like, oh well, we've we've got this, you know. And, they kind of they kind of alluded to you know the the way DC online is set up where you're just kind of like you know, I'm Bob protege to you know steal or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they kind of had this kind of they kind of down talked the DC universe online. I mean, honestly, I never bought the DC universe online. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, I'm butthurt because I'm a DC <laughs> fan or whatever because they're they're kind of knocking it. But they they just basically kind of said they said look. You know, you guys are not going to be sidekicks. You know, you're going to get to play as people from the Marvel Universe. And then the follow-up, you know, the natural follow-up question to that is, well, is it multiplayer then? And people are like, yes. And then people are like, well, how the fuck do you do that? And then they're like, well, we can't say. But, but man, we've got this awesome technology, and boy, you're going to be <laughs> so surprised, and you're going you're gonna to be, wow, you're just going to be wow. You know? and, and you're kind of like... Well, that doesn't really tell anybody anything, you know. It just kind of it, it seems like supposedly they, with you know, what, whatever they finagled, they they have some way where somehow you know Tony, Brian, Justin, Michael, and myself can all be Wolverine, you know, when we're online. Our fondest dream. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, Honestly, exactly. Exactly. even if you were in a room with like five Wolverines, wouldn't that be like normal Marvel, like or close to it at least? <laughs> And you'd be like, yeah, right. it's like a comic. <laughs> they they seem to mention that that the the game was going to be on the PC for sure, and that as far as consoles, it was supposed to be like to be determined, you know, to be announced. You know, they they didn't get into specifics about that. You know, people wanted to know whether it was browser based or client based, and they couldn't answer any questions on that. You know, they they're kind of vague about a lot of the stuff. They kind of dodged a lot of. You know, a lot of the kind of specific questions. I mean, I, I might point people to the Marvel Superhero Squad online because they, they even mention that, too, because it's like the, the game company that, you know, was assigned to do it. I, I can't remember the name. I, I should have wrote it down in my notes, but it started with a G. It was like, you know, go something or other or whatever. They make... The, the the current one that's browser based is for superhero squad and basically you you know you can sign up for free you know like they say it's free to play but but it, it seems kind of weird because I, I don't it's not like DC Universe online where you pay 60 bucks for the game and then to even start to play the game you have to pay a monthly subscription so that's probably you know that's what's considered a pay to play game right? But then they've got this, which is free to play, which means to me it kind of means you can sample it. But I'm assuming they, they also say, well, yeah, we're totally going to monetize the game. So I can only imagine what you're saying, Brian, is, well, isn't it normal for there to be five Wolverines in the Marvel Universe? Well, I'd imagine the free to play version, we can all play as, you know, yellow tights Wolverine 
But then if you actually wanted to have five distinct Wolverines in the room, then all of a sudden you need to buy, you know, Marvel Gold and Stan the Man, you know, sells you some Marvel Gold. <laughs> and then you pay like, you know, 50 bucks. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to be Albert and LCD and he gets to be Patch and he gets to be, you know, you know, Age of Apocalypse and, you know, you know, all these different, you know, iterations of Wolverine. Somebody else gets to have the brown outfit, you know, <laughs> and then but but it seems like I, I would imagine you'd probably have to pay for the privilege or, you know, if you want to actually have the Age of Apocalypse expansion pack, you know, to do that, maybe you'd have to actually like pay some money or something. But none of that is, you know, set in stone or specific. It's kind of like they just kind of said, you know, Bendis even made kind of a, an ass joke about it or something where he was kind of like, he said something about, you know, uh, oh, guys, you know, it's first come, first serve. So whoever gets the first copy of the game and is Spider-Man, the rest of y'all are fucked, <laughs> you know. Nice. But it's like I'm sure it was a joke, but then part of me's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I call Days of the Future Past Skeleton Wolverine then. <laughs> nice, nice. I want to be Earth-X, like, fat, out of shape, doesn't realize he's not really screwing Jean Grey Wolverine. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many to choose from. I think I'll pick the random Wolverine issue number one. I'm in all black, but it's kind of in tatters, and I'm screaming Wolverine. You want to be Patch? Well, that's not Patch. He doesn't have the patch. <laughs> yeah, but that that's 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 Patch. He's not Patch if he doesn't have the patch. No. Okay, fine. I'll be old man getting killed by a Sentinel Wolverine. <laughs> Isn't that Days of Future Past well, Wolverine? I'm trying, he can I'm be he can it. be pre Sentinel attack. I want to be post Sentinel attack. <laughs> I just want to be a running adamantium skeleton. I just I'll be I'll be fresh uh, freshly killed from nitro, but growing my skin back. I'll be the little boy in bed, sick Wolverine version. Nice. <laughs> just to go a different route, I think I'll pick Spider-Man one leg with the Reed Richards prototype leg that locks up. Nice. So, uh, <laughs> knowing my luck, if that's the case, I I have dibs on Amazing Bagman. <laughs> I, I'm actually going to pick one we haven't said yet, and I'm going to be X-Men and the Wolverine and the X-Men Wolverine, so I can only kill robots. <laughs> uh, and you can totally, like, beat up ninjas while all of the rest of us, who are, like, Cyclops and Storm and Nightcrawler online, we all, like, automatically fall over and lose. <laughs> ninjas come on screen, we all lose all our health, but you're you're going to be okay. Oh, wait, Cyclops. That's your, like, superpower. Cyclops has joined your party. Cyclops is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Ninjas have appeared. <laughs> I got this over. It could be good, but yeah, if it is first come, first serve, that would that would really suck. Ninjas, like X-Men weakness. Yeah, I, I think it was more a joke than anything, but you know, it just kind of you know some of some of it like when when they don't have specifics and then they make jokes like that, it kind of makes you wonder. And then and then kind of their their idea of you know they kind of said that they were reimagining classic Marvel stories. Well, I can't see Bendis reimagining his own stories, but yeah, I'm sure hand. they'll I'm sure they'll finagle some 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 stuff with like you know older storylines. But but they seem like they kind of wanted to amalgamate a lot of things because they 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 seem to be very big on you know oh if you're a guy who you know goes to the comic shop every Wednesday 
there'll be something in this game for you to like. But if you conversely don't go to the comic shop every Wednesday, but you just like playing Marvel versus Capcom 3, there'll be something in here for you to like. Or, you know, if you're just a dude who happened to watch Iron Man and thought it was kind of cool, it's like, oh, there'll be something in here for you to like, which makes me think that they kind of want to, you know, make it accessible, but, but also somehow because because people are like is this going to be 616 and then it's almost like they went haha nerd you know <laughs> almost like in a weird way they just went well what he's talking about to all the people who are not nerds is 616 is the main you know but it was almost like they were i don't know it felt weird to me like they were just kind of mocking right, yeah. him it's like come it's on everyone with a girlfriend let guys. us explain 616 you know? <laughs> yeah 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 exactly it's like is this going to be the regular marvel fucking continuity that you've been fucking up for the last five years ben? <laughs> or not you know just answer the fucking question you know oddly, oddly I, enough in the marvel mmo luke cage and spider woman are the most powerful characters ever <laughs> <laughs> well, because his his whole trip was like he's like now I can go on the message boards and go, you don't like what I'm doing at Marvel? Do it yourself. <laughs> you know, that, that was his his trip with the whole. Uh, can game. I change and my character? Like, I want to be naked Spider Woman now. How how, how yeah, do I get Mephisto yeah. to kill himself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What cheat code do I enter here? I'm like I'm like we we should all sign up as Spider Man and all like line up to marry Mary yeah. Jane. At Shea Stadium. It's like, oh, the servers have been overloaded this week with all the Spider-Man marriages. <laughs> with the new massive multiplayer online. It totally exploded all of Marvel's servers. Totally. Yeah, and we get more readers than actual Marvel comics. Oh, if, if, I, if I pick Iron Man, will I be able to open a concentration camp and put everyone who doesn't register with me in, my, in a prison? <laughs> uh, so many choices. If hey, if I'm Hank Pym, can I just go around slapping all the women I want? Can I be the? Uh, can I be Gwen Stacy having secret babies? <laughs> right. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm gonna be Norman, and I'm just gonna run around and and bang all my my young son's girlfriends. That's all I'm gonna do. If that's the case, I, I'll go back and I actually do want to be Wolverine because he seems to have gotten quite a bit. All right. Hey, well, it's a possibility that you'll be able to play as Constrictor and Swordsman, you know, and Madcap maybe might be in it, you know, and Citizen V and. They they were trying to sell the aspect of like. Because when they asked about female, I, I think some there was a, a girl questioner who asked about female characters, and then it was like all of a sudden they realized, oh shit, we've got to like come up with some names. But then like it's like either they couldn't say anything. I don't know. It seemed weird. Yeah. Like they couldn't just give her a couple names, but all they could do was give her the name they already gave, which was Squirrel Girl. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, well, that doesn't really help yeah. her out. Like. I'm sure she wanted to hear something like, oh, hey, you know, you can play as Firestar, you can play as Carol Danvers, you can play as Wasp, you can play as She-Hulk, you know, but instead it was kind of like... That's that's the way to girl. sell the game, it's like, play as all your favorite male Marvel heroes, and for the ladies, Squirrel Girl is selectable. It's like, for all the furry enthusiasts, <laughs> Squirrel Girl. No, but it, it, I, it just seemed kind of like, I, I think they somehow thought... If they said, because because there are two things where they were saying, oh well, if because Bendis you know talks with the guy further after the whole official press conference is done and they're all just having pizza and beer at the bar or whatever, and they they have these individual little conversations, and he says to him, well well you know 
about the characters and he's like well you know you know once we say nova and squirrel girl then all the the hardcore fans will be like yeah like there's some they they're gonna put some you know because they, they were trying to sell like oh we're gonna have you know hundreds of characters to choose from so i guess they kind of wanted it to be like oh it's not going to be the the quote-unquote same bland old you know spidey cap hulk thor wolverine whatever you know thing but to me i'm kind of like well shit thor hasn't really been in a video game in a long time, so it's like, I don't see how bland he, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I was just kind of thinking, well, okay, yeah, they'll have more than Ultimate Alliance ever had, but, you know, what is it going to be, Ultimate Alliance combined with, you know, X-Men Legends, and then you got, like, 50 guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like, how much more can they possibly have, you <laughs> it's know? Just, it's just not good when you, you, like, have so little information to go on, you know, it's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just kind of speculating, I mean, that's why it's a for the future type thing, oh, yeah, but totally. you know, I mean, they they kind of acted like they they couldn't tell anybody the official release date. You know, they didn't want to lock themselves in. But then some guy said it's about a year off at least. Wow. So I mean, maybe by the time the Avengers movie comes out, the game will be, you know, probably then they'll say, oh, it's going to be released in the fall, you know, of that year. Squirrel Girl's coming. You know. <laughs> Squirrel Girl is on the way, and she's had sex with James. I mean Wolverine. <laughs> I mean Mr. Owlet. I mean Bub. <laughs> Bub. <laughs> uh, they'll probably up the girl Annie and Light Lady play Squirrel Girl or Night Nurse. So. Ooh, Night Nurse. She gets to, like, run around and, and fix, like, people's hands. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can bone Doctor Strange as much as you want. <laughs> Yay. Nah, but yeah, I mean, I, I will, I will definitely keep an open mind for it because it could be cool, and you know, never know. Yeah, I, I, I will go with the Ultimate Alliance line of thinking where that was a good game. So hey. <laughs> yeah, I had fun playing Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As I've said, I'm not a very big, you know, modern video game person, but you know, if this thing, you know, looks like it's going to be something interesting, I'll probably pick it up. And uh, you know, even as far as modern video games go, I'm not very big on MMOs, so. This will be kind of a big step for me, I guess. Well, see, that's what's interesting. I mean, at this point, you don't even know if you can pick yeah. it up. Hmm. I mean, if PC-based, <laughs> then it's browser-based, and then you have to, like, you know, pay for add-ons. Well, then maybe there's nothing to pick up. I mean, the, the Superhero Squad Online, you just go into their website, you enter in a screen name, and then and then you can play the game, but then, you know, to actually get, like, you know, I think, like, power-ups and... and you know, different characters and costumes, then you have to, you know, pay money for gold, which you can use to, you know, buy things and get access to different levels and stuff. If it's anything like that, I mean, they, they seem to insinuate that the superhero squad was for the kids and this is going to be for the adults, you know, but like, you know, whatever that means. You know? Girl. <laughs> naked yeah, naked spider girl or spider woman. <laughs> yeah, spider woman. Oh my god. She's gonna use her firmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Cool. Um we'll have to look out for that a uh, year away, so we got plenty of time to speculate more as more information comes out. What the hell do you want with me? You <laughs> Whoever said I wanted you? Guess we can go ahead and uh, jump to the awesome thing of the week. If you've been listening to Fan Holes regularly, you know this is pretty much where we just talk about something that's really floating our boat, tickling our pickle, whatever you want to call it. Let's see, I will go to Mr. Michael. What is your awesome thing this week? Uh, this week, well, not so much awesome as, I guess, I don't know, a little 
something that I saw. I don't know. I don't know if I'd classify it as awesome, but I, I saw The Hangover too the other night, and it was a pretty much exactly the same movie as the first Hangover. <laughs> And you just subbed in, you know, Thailand for Las Vegas and a different guy that they lost for the guy they lost in the first movie. <laughs> and it, it wasn't it wasn't as funny as the first, obviously. And I can't really recommend it, but, you know, it wasn't bad. It just was kind of like, you know, it was it was like the it was the done for the paycheck sequel. Like almost all comedies suffer from that as the sequel is always like. Okay, the first one made a lot of money. This one won't be as funny, but you know, you you've got the brand name and your your beloved characters and all that. So what else do you need? Good writing, you know. <laughs> the the humor seemed a little more crude, a little cruder than the first one, and less clever. And the first one was pretty crude to begin with. So, but you know, Zach Galifianakis, he's pretty funny. And, you know, it was it was okay. It wasn't bad. It was just there, kinda. So yeah. Calls it or the it was what it was kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. What about uh, you, Justin? Got something cool for us, for us this week? Yeah, I've been, been ke- catching up on uh, Captain America. I've been reading the post-Cap Reborn or Rebirth or whatever issues. I've been reading 602 through 618, and it's been pretty good so far. The big highlight for me was issue 610. There was a big Bucky Cap versus Zemo battle that was pretty neat. Zemo pretty much kidnaps Bucky and takes him back to the island where they got stuck on the airplane, and the, you know it blows up. He takes him back to that island kind of making faces pass and everything, and it was a really good issue. So I'm really looking forward to finishing up this run. Always good to have some classic comic love on here. What about you, Brian? Cool for us this week? Yeah, I was actually hoping to be able to steal a little Justin's Thunder because I actually read a book. But of course, <laughs> he wouldn't go with a book the week I do. The book I'm reading is called Sea of Glory. It's a, it's a history book. It's actually U.S. naval history. It's like the first major expedition the United States Navy ever did. It takes place like eighteen late 1830s into the 1840s. I like history a lot, not necessarily naval history, but what makes this book so interesting to me is that the main guy the book is about, his name is Charles Wilkes. He's like the biggest ass you guys have ever like heard of. It's like <laughs> awesome. Like at the time, I guess the Navy didn't have admirals or anything. The highest rank you could get was captain. And this guy was only lieutenant, but for like, I don't know, six years or something, no one would take on this expedition. No one wanted to go. So finally, you know, once they asked every captain they could, they went down and they started asking lieutenants. And this Charles Wilkes guy agreed to do it, but he wanted them to promote him to, like, acting captain while on the voyage. And the Navy says, like, no. So <laughs> what he does is he gets, like, a captain's jacket or whatever, the lapels, and he sails out to sea and then announces at sea to his crew that, He's promoting himself to captain and, like, <laughs> commodore of the entire expedition. And, like, I don't know, he whips people for, like, like it says, like, something like the, the legal amount you could whip someone at sea is, like, six lashings or something for, like, some severe crime. And, like, he's whip, having people whip, like, 18 times for, like, I don't know, the smallest insubordinations you can think of. And then, like, at every port almost, he's dropping crew members off and having them sent back to the United States. And it's it's funny because this trip is, like, to Antarctica. He starts out, you know, on the eastern seaboard, like Boston. But they sail down to Antarctica and then, like, over to New Zealand. 
in, into the Pacific, like Fiji and stuff. But all along, he's dropping off sailors because they, they piss him off, basically, and sending them all the way back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you when that's like a – it doesn't seem like such a big deal now, but, I mean, that's like a two- or three-year journey for some of these trips, you know? I don't know. It's just, it just cracks me up what a jerk this guy was. I mean, yeah, that's what I was, saying. I was like, I want to drop you off here, but I've already been at sea for a year. Yeah, sucks to be yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds really interesting. I live history too, especially naval stuff. So, so I'll, I'm going to try and check into that, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good book. There's a they have like everyone kept like a ship's diary basically, so they got a lot of historical like background on all the events. You know, you get like two or three different perspectives. So it is definitely a very interesting read. Always good to expand our horizons. I just want to read it because he sounds like a dick. It's funny. <laughs> uh, what about you, Derek? What we got over there? This well, even a two-year-old could tell you that Jonathan Frakes as the high evolutionary <laughs> is my awesome thing of the week. <laughs> Superhero Squad show, I think it was episode 18. The Wolverine ends up, you know, I guess the whole rift as part of this season is they had the surfer go dark and he sends all the main cast into like different universes. So every week you get sort of a standalone episode with each character, you know, all six of them or whatever. And they're in a, you know, a different quote unquote universe. And so Wolverine ends up basically going to Devil Dinosaur Moon Boy universe (laughs) where he meets them and the high evolutionary is there as the villain and Frakes is the high evolutionary so it's pretty cool watching him sort of outwit Steve Bloom as Wolverine and, and kind of doing the general villain nastiness sort of stuff here Wolverine have this action figure of the high evolutionary <laughs> exactly Derek exactly. You, you had me at you had me at devil dinosaur I know right I, I'm seriously I'm seriously gonna look this up tomorrow when I get off work I'll be like yes <laughs> oh man that's yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. So. Yeah, I'm always down for some good devil dinosauring. <laughs> that sounded horrible. As far as my awesome thing this week, I am going to fall back on my toy roots. I got in this week from Head Robot Customs a little action figure called Hothead. He is the anime version. He's, I guess, an exclusive? I don't know. I got it off uh, BBPS, Big Bad Toy Store. Really neat little figure. In case you don't know what this is, there was a figure called Hardhead released, oh, last year sometime. He was supposed to be based off of a G1 character for the Universe line. He looks pretty much like Hardhead, except his head is very much kind of like the original Toys head, which is okay, but they used Onslaught mold, and it just doesn't look quite right. So uh, Head Robot, these guys who make pretty much more or less just heads for robots, made this way based on the anime model pretty nice it comes with a head it comes with a connector that goes on the back that you use to put on the one of the guns it comes with one large gun and two well not really smaller guns they're both big freaking guns it makes them look a lot more like g1 hardhead as far as the cartoon version it makes them look a lot different than onslaught which is much more appreciated he's a great little figure he can even ride in the hardhead toy in vehicle mode like he's driving it like the old headmasters used to do lots of little variations you can do you can like not give him the gun on the shoulder you can give him the gun on the shoulder you can hold it he's yeah just lots of lots of stuff you can do with this figure pretty neat it's a neat little upgrade when, when you say onslaught do you just mean like the way his his face looks or I, I i was imagining brawl because you're talking about like hardhead is a tank right so. well uh, it's the, the, the classics yeah the, oh okay. yeah the classics version onslaught he was like a swat vehicle 
They look pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. They look pretty cool and stuff. And Hardhead in the IDW comics is kind of a six wheeled vehicle too. It looks a little different. He's got like an artillery cannon and stuff. But okay. yeah, yeah. But it, it makes yeah. it look a lot more. Classics onslaught looks like his face looks a lot like G one onslaught. And then what they did is they made Hardhead out of Classics onslaught. So it, it was basically an homage to the G1 toy with a head that looked nothing like it. So they updated it. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. But the only thing that's funny, and I even saw Mike, and I don't know if you said it too, Brian. The only thing that's kind of funny is, depending on how you look at the character Hardhead, they even got like this nice little scowl on his face where he just does not look happy with anything. <laughs> yeah, I, like they got his little dour expression really well. So, yeah, it's a really good figure. I, I really enjoy it. But, yeah, that's my awesome thing for the week. All right, guys, thanks for joining us this week on the Fan Holes Podcast. We enjoy having you listen to us. We should be here again next week. Roughly same podcast time, same Fan Holes channel. Till then, I am Tony. You may know me as Chainclaw, I think. Yo, this is Brian Breakdown. This is Derek, Derek WC. Mike Thunderwing. Justin Grimlock. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us tonight. And hey, by the way, send us some emails. We want to uh, uh, read some over the uh, airwaves and answer some questions. So hit us uh, up at uh, fanholspodcast at g- uh, gmail.com, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Until then, we bid you fond adieu. Peace. Finally, last but not least, for the future, we're going to talk about the Marvel MMO. That's the Massively Multiplayer Online Game. Yeah, I don't know who's typing. Who's typing? Sorry. Clacking <laughs> 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 must see. Now. This isn't been taken out of your hands, Defensor. <laughs> <laughs>